Hello, this is Dr. Beverly Wright, and thank you for listening to Tag Data Talk, sponsored by Emory Continuing Education and hosted by Dr. Beverly Wright. Tag Data Talk covers topics on the current state and future outlook of analytics and data science using an interview format with professionals and academics to discuss use cases, future trends, talent and skills, organizational structures, tool advancements, and other topics related to data science. Thanks for listening. Hello, this is Dr. Beverly Wright, and thanks for joining Tag Data Talk. With us today, we have a really cool panel of awesome professionals that have used data science for good, and we're talking about the application of data science for cause-based initiatives. More specifically, we have Dr. Andrea Popescu, General Manager of Operations Data Science at Delta Airlines. Hello. We have Julie Grantier, Lead Analytics and Decision Sciences at Drum Agency. Hi. And we have Scott Radcliffe, Managing Director of the Master of Science in Business Analytics Program at Emory Goizeta Business School. Hi, glad to be here today. Awesome. So let's start off with um, some quick introductions. Tell us why you guys are so cool. Andrea? I start um, because I'm the coolest. Yes, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> So um, uh, my background is um, engineering. Actually, I started my career as an electrical engineer, uh, which didn't really appeal to me very much. So um, then I uh, switched to artificial intelligence and uh, pattern recognition within the electrical engineering um, landscape. Uh, and this was at the time where artificial intelligence was just in the science fiction books yes. so it was a really long time ago <laughs> um, then um, I went on uh, getting a PhD in uh, operations research which is uh, applied mathematics to help uh, uh, making better decision and I was fortunate to have uh, worked for great companies in Atlanta like uh, Turner Broadcasting System and I'm currently helping Delta Airlines make better decisions and helping uh, customers get less frustrated when disruptions in operations occur. Awesome. Thank you. Julie? Um, my background's in physics. Mm -hmm. my degrees are from Georgia Tech right here, just down the street. Yes. Um, I moved into the area of social sciences and statistics and taught for a while at Tech and then moved into data science consulting. Awesome. Um, helping people solve problems, helping small to mid-sized companies solve their problems. And just recently, I've moved into marketing at Drum Agency, where we help companies not only market, but um, solve their problems with data. Very nice. And the amount of data that's available from an advertising perspective, especially on the digital side, wow, it's impressive. Very cool, very fun job. And Scott, tell us, why are you so cool? Well, it all started when I was born. No, <laughs> but seriously, um, I've had a great career. I was very fortunate to uh, find something that interested me and happens to be portable across industries. My training is in the social sciences, but early on I found that business was more interesting and suited me better mm -hmm. than kind of policy or think tank kind of things. So I found my way into marketing, operations, all aspects of businesses. Had a great time working for uh, SaaS, the analytics software company. Got to work in 20 countries. 
And uh, yeah, very it's, cool. It's yeah, been a great career for me. I definitely see you more on the applied. You're a doer um, oh, yeah. as opposed yeah. to the research. So probably a great choice for you. Yeah. Very good. Awesome. Well, we'll start with um, when we talk about data science for cause-based initiatives. What does that mean? Like, do you guys have some examples you can share with us? Yeah, I'll go ahead. So actually, um, Beverly recruited me for a project that we did recently. It was uh, had to do with mental health service provider. And, you know, for me, it was my first foray into managing a cause-based data analytics project where the team were essentially volunteers. Yes. So, so there's a couple of things that are different in this case. One of the things is that you really have to pay attention to, especially as a leader, is that as opposed to the business world where people show up and you know their role and they do what they're supposed to do, right? When you've got volunteers, they're there for some reason other than they're supposed to be there. Right. Ob- obviously. They're not getting paid and they're right? not being told. They're just being asked very nicely. Yeah. So so I believe, in my experience, a leader has to be much more sort of involved in discovering what folks are there for. Right. Okay. So what the the um what I'm hearing is that an example would be where you're trying to help with mental health issues. That's an example of a cause-based initiative. And two attributes that you mentioned that sort of represent a cause-based initiative are the cause itself, as well as it's usually done by volunteers. What about um, Julie, Andrea, do you have anything you want to add or another example or two for us? Um, I would say that it's very different work working for a nonprofit. Companies often already have an infrastructure for their data. They already have their data being cleaned. Many nonprofits don't even really know what they have. Right. And and you're starting from scratch. It's it's actually very rewarding to be mm-hmm. able to see that evolve and see them be able to make use of their data. Okay. So a lot of times um, another attribute of this is a cause-based thing is that they oftentimes are starting from ground zero. Absolutely. So you're having to um, not just build, but even educate and build and just create like an ecosystem around the whole thing. Okay. Did you have anything you want to add, Andrea? Just an example that we um, worked together actually as a team uh, recently in human trafficking. Mm-hmm. And uh, what I actually really um, liked about it from my perspective is just learning all the aspects. We all use this definition, human trafficking, but actually just understanding what it is, what it means, and how many definitions there are around trafficking. We all think about, you know, uh, physically moving the uh, kids from one country to the other and uh, trafficking them, but uh, there are so many other nuances to this. Um, so the field is so open. Yeah. Uh, just the definition of cause um, and social good. Yeah. So um, it sounds like uh, the some of the attributes that we've talked about so far is the cause itself, like the mental health, like the human trafficking, um, like things like addiction. And secondly, is that typically we see volunteers. Nobody's being told what to do um, because of pay or anything like that. They're they're on their own free will. Um, third is that the context learning is rich. Like mm-hmm. a lot of times we, are, these are areas where we're not familiar. You mm-hmm. know, sometimes society sort of doesn't want to talk about things like opioid addiction and human trafficking and, 
you know, um, domestic violence and things like that. So there's contextual learning that's very rich. And then a fourth dimension or um, attribute, I guess, if you want to call it that, of a cause-based data science problem is one where a lot of times they're starting at nothing. You know, they don't even know where their data is. They don't know what to do with it. They don't, sometimes they might not even realize what data is. Mm-hmm. The capture of audio or the capture of of what their volunteers are doing, they might not quite even get that that's, um, that's part of their data. Um, is there anything else on, on some of the examples or attributes of how we spot these things? I would say that it's in the emotional impact. Mm. Working on the Opioid Addiction, addiction Project, we mm-hmm. were able to talk to um, people in recovery, and you're so much closer to the issues than you are in your normal workday um, that there is, it's, it really opens your eyes. Yeah. Okay. Well, that actually is a good lead-in for our next question, which is um, how how is it different? You guys all work um, in for-profit, I guess, Emory, Emory, yeah, Emory's for-profit, Delta's for-profit, Drum Agency is for-profit. Uh, so you all work in for-profit. I work for a for-profit company for my day job. What's different about a data science project that deals with nonprofit kind of cause-based initiatives? Is it the same thing, just applied in a different way? Is there some flavor of it that makes it unique? I, I would take that <laughs> first. So um, I think what is very different is the responsibility that you carry as a data scientist using data to make decision. Um and being aware of the fact that the data is biased and uh, is biased because of the society's biases. So sometimes if you don't um, pay attention, you can um, punish the people that you are trying to 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 help. And I'll give you an example on that. Um, there is a book that's called uh, Automating Inequality, and it talks about... Um, uh, neighborhoods calls on um, children that might be abused at home. Abused mm-hmm. at home. Mm-hmm. What's and, it called again? Uh, automating inequality. Uh, I don't remember the author, but you can find it. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, one of the indi- leading indicators to have in a neighborhood to have um, a forecasting or a prediction on what household can uh, is at risk of mm-hmm. abusing children was uh, how many calls against that household did you get mm. on a, a time uh, in a, within a time frame and it turns out that uh, just uh, african americans are more likely to being reported than not african americans so the bias of this society if you just go blindly by the data mm-hmm. this would be the leading indicator that these households are more at risk not being aware of this bias and just going blindly applying methods mm-hmm. uh, can actually punish these people that we are trying to, most of the time we are trying to uh, help mm-hmm. uh, them. And um, the, this responsibility, I think, is much more, has to be more uh, embedded in our uh, techniques and uh, kind of they are eye-opening for wow. us. That's um, that's pretty serious, right? Like it is. It it tells. It sounds like we're able to tell a lot about how we view things as a society based on yeah. um, situations like that. Mm-hmm. So very interesting. 
What are some other ways that um, that this is different? And Julie, you mentioned the just the emotional impact. I know um, that I was working with uh, an, an organization that does anti-human trafficking, and it was heartbreaking to hear about just the terms that are used to mean certain things. Um, so we talked about that a little bit, but are there other um, things that are different about when we work on, on nonprofit initiatives or cause-based initiatives? Yeah, I'll take one uh, that is quite different from what Andrea just talked about, and somebody had mentioned it earlier. The reality is most of these agencies, these nonprofit organizations, do not um, have a mindset to think about their data other than pushing the keyboard on the data they're inputting to run their processes, Mm -hmm. right? And what you start to see very often is that now that somebody's looking at the data in historical fashion, looking at the patterns of the data, you can see, you know, poor quality, not to mention in some cases, it's like, oh, I guess we decided not to enter data for three weeks. Here. Right. Something like that, right? Yeah. So so we talked about, um, you know, on our team, we talked about part of what we can help them do is not just provide analysis, but provide an evaluation of kind of how do you, what practices might you put in place to improve your data quality over time? Got it. Does so that not make only, sense? Absolutely. Not only is the data itself poor, but sometimes it indicates things like, oh, your process is even poor. Like there's things, there's things you're doing because you don't value data necessarily that um, you need to change. Otherwise, you're not going to have data. It's just going to be slipping through the cracks all the time. That's, I would say that these people are on the ground, mm-hmm. and data is an afterthought. If we remember to ask someone's name or their age when they're interviewing clients that come in, that's secondary Yeah, and different from a corporation where we're working with the data every day. Mm-hmm. Right, and they, they, data is seen as an asset for uh, for-profit companies, whereas Absolutely. with nonprofit, it's an afterthought. To use your term, Julie, uh, it's a great thought. So um, this is a little bit of a grim topic because we're dealing with cause-based, <laughs> but these are these are great insights. Um, what are some of the specific challenges that you guys have faced working with uh, cause-based data science solutions? Um, Scott, I know you mentioned a little bit about the talent itself and and uh, the ability to get volunteers motivated. Um, if you guys don't mind, let's start with that a little. Can you unpack that for us? Yeah, I would love to do that. One of the things that I've observed consistently is sometimes folks who are coming to these projects, these volunteer projects, one of their key reasons for being there is that they want to learn. They want to get actual hands-on experience doing analytics things. And what what can sometimes happen is, is that they really want to do something, but they won't say so because they have no confidence in that area, right? And that's where you really have to sometimes sit down as a team and kind of figure out, okay, who's good at what and who wants to get better at what? And let's find a way to have people, you know, A, bring their experience to help this get done, but also provide opportunities for folks to get the kind of experiences they want to get. Okay. So just having those conversations with the volunteers to know what are they bringing to the table and what kind of things are they trying to do to advance their career potentially? Yeah, exactly. And then from there, you kind of have the normal 
kind of project development and project management process. Right. Right. But you need to have that other conversation first. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What other kind of special challenges you guys see? I mean, is athletics easy? <laughs> <laughs> athletics is challenging. Yes. Um, I would say that we're data scientists and we don't tend to work nine to five. So we put in a lot of hours in our day jobs. Yes. And therefore getting together, making those meetings, having those conference calls at late at night, meeting at a coffee shop super early Sunday mornings. Yes. So Which um, we enjoy. Absolutely. However, <laughs> it does take time. Okay. So the hours itself, um, learning how to find the right buttons with your volunteers. What other kind of specific challenges you guys see? I think the the mistrust of the NPOs mm. in data science oh, in general. It's a great point. That's in my opinion, the biggest hurdle to, and this is to uh, kind of extend your comment on the afterthought of uh, data is an afterthought for the NPOs. Data science doesn't even exist as a <laughs> as an afterthought yet. Uh, they they need so much education yeah. in uh, in this field, and uh, we want to help them but they don't want any help. Right. So, Or they don't yeah. trust it because they don't know yet. Right. yet. They haven't seen the mm-hmm. value mm-hmm. or they're uncomfortable. I know um, of all the nonprofit orgs that we've worked with with Athletics in the past couple of years, I've only had one that has just said, like, no, mm-hmm. we, we just can't. And I get a sense that from, from the way they express things, they were not comfortable with the data they had. Like, they felt like... Um, I forget what you said, Scott, earlier, but it, it it sort of reminded me that it felt like to them that we were pulling back sheets and we're almost evaluating mm-hmm. them. So maybe that's part of the mm-hmm. the yeah. distrust and the discomfort and just the lack of of knowing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, go ahead, Scott. Yeah, I mean, that happens in every organization where analytics is happening. But if it's in an organization where there's been little to no analytics being done previously, it kind of feels like all of a sudden somebody's got a spotlight on you, yes. right? And you didn't necessarily sweep in all the corners before they came mm-hmm. over with the lights. Right, yeah. right, right. Yeah, data can be very revealing. I mean, um, it's in some ways it finds the truth, and sometimes people don't want to really show that too much maybe. Um, are there any other special challenges before we move to brighter days <laughs> on our questions? Any other special time? I'll take some brighter days. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. So on the positive note, um, what are some of the benefits? Like we've talked about, you know, there's definitely some challenges. There's some things that are different. Um, You're immersing yourself into a very negative context many times Mm -hmm. when you go into things like human trafficking and homelessness and mental health. Like these are not fun topics, right? People prefer... Um, usually to get involved in, in fun types of things like, oh, how are we going to sell more stuff? But these aren't necessarily fun. However, we sort of charge forward and we keep doing what we're doing. Why? What are the benefits of data science specifically for cause-based solutions? I'd like to jump in on that one, partly because I feel really grateful that Dr. Beverly here has provided me a platform and the opportunity to apply what I know how to do and love to do and do it in a way where I'm giving back in the context of causes that mean a lot to me. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, that's just, you know, that's unprecedented for me because I volunteer in different ways and have most of my life. But 
I was doing things that, in my mind, anybody could do mm-hmm. versus mm-hmm. me getting to bring my specific talents and and knowledge to, to bear on it. Yeah. I just talked to a very large company um, right down the road today. Um, and he asked me to come in and um, talk about my day job, but he also said, tell me more about athletics. And he said exactly what you're saying, Scott, it, that their people are going out and doing literally heavy lifting type of stuff. They're pulling weeds, they're driving meals, they're, you know, and mm-hmm. it doesn't make any sense because here's people that have incredible data science skills and they're doing these other things. So I think um, definitely the ability to use your professional skills to solve some of the um, more dark uh, types of initiatives, that makes a lot of sense, Scott. So thank you for mentioning that. What other kind of benefits do you guys see? Um, being able to make a difference, like mm-hmm. he said, in a way that we um, we work best. I'm not good at pulling weeds or moving heavy things. <laughs> <laughs> but you know how to do some data science. <laughs> um, but also, the data, it's it, there's such at a, a basic level with their data, you can make so much difference. I mean, we all uh. know we build these models. And, you know, we might be going from 95% to 97% for many of our corporate jobs. But... We're going from 30 to 90 percent effectiveness, um, being able to change a budget, being able to (laughs) reach more people in ways that um, you just can't anywhere else. Yeah, Um, we're Mm -hmm. being videotaped, so I hope you guys can see those chill bumps that I just got. But big deltas, these are are large changes that you can make, not just like a slight incremental, oh, we went to selling more stuff or, you know, becoming more efficient or whatever at, at large corporations, which is great. But now we're talking, number one, doing something that matters um, from a societal standpoint. And secondly, making huge changes oftentimes. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Any other benefits you guys see? I I think, um, to Julie's point, there is benefit on both sides. We raise awareness in the NPO world of how you use this data and how what a big impact can have in decision-making and uh, help people out. And we gain knowledge that we didn't have before. Yes. Um, and awareness. And then we can go and talk about it to other people and uh, spread this knowledge. So I see quite uh, a win-win on both sides. Love it. Build- Love it. Go ahead. Building on that, um, the most powerful moment I've had in athletics was when working on the opioid addiction project, we had um, people in recovery speak to us. Mm. And the look on everyone's face as those of us who are data scientists, we work in offices every day. And to hear these stories, it opened up so many eyes, um, Mm -hmm. gave us motivation to do so much more, but also just let us see a corner that we hadn't seen before Mm -hmm. directly from people. No, that's a great point. I think it can make us better people, like less judgmental, just getting all this awareness from this point of view instead of judging from not being, you know, embedded in all these things. So helping us understand stigma and how can we get away with that, being better at empathy and sympathy and all this. Uh, That's very fulfilling. Oh, wow. So a whole new perspective personally, not just professionally. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. (laughs) So some of the benefits um, that I jotted down from you guys, this is a great list, is um, the new perspective and the empathy 
awareness of the nonprofit org. Like you may decide, like, I'm going to go volunteer with the Cabin Community Service Board or I'm going to go talk to Street Grace or whatever. So getting to know some of the nonprofits that are out there, the ability to make big change because they're starting from essentially nothing, um, being able to make a difference in a cause that you um, are passionate about. Um, I also wrote down sharpening your skills, like just working on a data science project that's a cause-based, um, You at your work, you're limited. You have, you know, you only mm-hmm. are going to look at Delta data. <laughs> yeah. You're only going to look at like Emory data, right, most of the time, um, unless you're working with a partner or something. But for the most part, you're kind of limited and you have to answer the questions that you're, you know, sort of trying to answer for that business purpose. But with nonprofit, you can explore a little bit more. Um, so I would say sharpening your skills might be one too. Yeah. Um, also networking. Have you guys noticed that the nonprofit, the the community of people that are trying to benefit nonprofits, it's a different feel mm-hmm. when you walk into the room. Everybody's trying to help. And I think there's a lot to be said about just that that aura and that spirit mm-hmm. that um, sort of surrounds the cause-based types of charges and the people that are that are a part of that community. I have to agree 100 yeah. percent. I mean, people who want to help, there's a certain vibe, mm-hmm. for lack of a better term there, right? Mm-hmm. And, and not that, you know, sort of the commercial world is uh, is you know, not as good, but it's just different. It is different. Right. It's a different experience. And for me personally, just to be around people who are there because they want to help. Mm-hmm. Right. It's just, you know, it's so fulfilling. Yes. Yeah. I know at our last right? meeting, it's like, you know, uh, you drop something on the floor and 12 people try to reach for it for you. <laughs> yeah. So it's really great. Um, what final piece of advice would you guys give to an analytics professional? Um, if they're trying to use their professional data science skills for good, what, what would you tell some new person that's in the field and they say, I really want to do this thing? What would you what would you advise to them? I'll, I'll go ahead and jump in. My my first thought was you will bring more value than you imagine you will. Yes. Mm-hmm. So believe in yourself, kind of. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because, again, in these or, in these NPOs, they just are so in need of help and, you know, in most cases, don't even know where to start. And so you, especially if you're leading a team, you'll bring so much value, not only to the NPO, but to the team and ultimately yourself. Love mm-hmm. it. Okay. What other advice would you guys give? I, I wouldn't. It would be a bit of a opposite of what you just said. Uh, go in with humility ah. because there is so much to learn. And while we might know a lot on our field, still, um, you know, you can, I totally agree. You can bring humongous value, but also listen to the needs um, and uh, just be humble. Yeah. Be humble about the the whole experience right. and believe in the ability, the technical abilities that you can, like you can, even if you just have basic data science skills, because a lot of them are starting with ground zero, you can do a lot. That's kind of where I was going. Yeah. Actually, these are very complimentary. Uh, yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's where I was going for, because we get a lot of beginners who yes. want more experience. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot that can be done. Yeah. Um, and of course, I would say that the networking, working um, with Organizations like athletics, or even just a small group of people participating in a hackathon, right? Um, getting together with people who care about the same causes that you do. Mm-hmm. Nice. And find the time. that community, right? And, and plug in. 
Awesome. Thanks again to Dr. Andrea Popescu, Julie Grantier, and Scott Radcliffe for talking to us today about the application of data science for cause-based initiatives. Thank you Thank for you. having Thank us. You, Thank Thanks. you. Thanks for listening to Tag Data Talk, sponsored by Emory Continuing Education. I'm Dr. Beverly Wright. Have a great data set.